Um, yeah, that's okay. All right. Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic with all my friends and peers uh, in the equine industry that I think have really interesting information and can offer some value to our understanding of the horse. Um, this is my 54th, and today my guest is Janet Varhaus. She's a veterinarian from Colorado. Um, we met, is it, it's just a little over a year ago, but almost a year and a half ago, um, during the team celebration in, in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I went to do a Surefoot workshop. But I found Janet really interesting and she's, uh, and, and we've talked about a few things, so I'm really pleased to have her today as my guest. Please welcome Janet Varhaus. Good so, morning, Janet. I'm glad to be yeah. here. Yeah, These so just give us, you know, how, give us a little bit of your background, your history, you know, how you wound up uh, where, where you are today in terms of your practice and all that. Um, it's really been a snowball effect. Um, I, I was thinking about it the other day that when I graduated, Linda Tellington Jones and Carrie Ridgway and, um, and some of these people I heard about because I did endurance riding. And um, now I've had a chance in my career to work with these people um, and get to know them as friends. So it's, it's been quite a journey. Um, and, and Alan Schoen was just bringing acupuncture into this country. So I started doing acupuncture um, in about 2002. Um, I took my certification because I had recovered from an illness that um, I really felt was gonna kill me. And I went to acupuncture and it saved my life and, and cured me, not just um, made me live through it. And so then I needed to know why it worked and also be able to do it for the animals that came to me and, and not give them the drugs that I wouldn't take. So that started me on a, like a black hole journey. Um, and one thing led to another, which led to another. And, um, and so now I've quit general practice and am focusing only on doing what no one else does um, or, or in my area anyway. So um, the holistic approach has been very rewarding. Um, I get them living longer, better lives until I get to a point I can't. So then I have to learn a new modality <laughs> to get them further down the road. And part of it where I'm going to start today is um, healing with my own horse, who I took him to the best vets in this state, and they could not heal him. And he started me on a big journey, um, and, and I just wanted to get it out there for people who were like me. I'm coming from a practice or an animal owner, and, um, and there are things out there that aren't conventional that really work. And I want people to be aware of that. Um, not that their vets don't know what they're doing, but there's questions to ask and no one can know everything. And, um, and maybe some of this will help some other animals or well, and, and focus that's on the horses thing is, today. We get so busy in our own field in our own area and that's you know for me i've known a lot of people uh, of a lot of people but i haven't had the chance to meet them because you're you're so busy doing what you're doing especially as a self-employed person and i know that you've owned practices that 
you know, to, to try and gather other information and to make a shift, sometimes we need some sort of major event to intervene to either slow us down or stop us enough to redirect. But I just want to go back a little bit and um, um, just let everybody know, you know, where did you go to vet school? Where did you grow up and where did you go to vet school? Well, I grew up in Nebraska and I went to vet school at Iowa State. And that convinced me I was too far east. So then I went to Utah to practice. And in the early 80s, that was not real welcoming for a woman, but I was there seven years and met my husband. And then we came to Colorado by way of Montana. Oh, and wow. Two okay. Kids. Yep. Montana was my childbearing years. Okay, and so then you, you wound up in Colorado, and I, and I know you've had at least one practice, maybe two? Yeah, yeah. so I owned a practice in Utah, and then um, I just sold my practice I had for 20 years in Colorado. And I... Um, and yeah, large so horses now, or large animals or mixed? That practice, I've done, I've done a mixed, and then it's gradually become small animal and equine and um and I became mostly you know about 80 percent small animal but 90 percent integrative and now um I'm looking forward to getting back into the horse world and um and and working more with horses so my my goal is 80 percent horses and 20 percent small animal not that I don't like it but I went into this for the horses and and they're calling me back that's so. awesome. And then, of course, you, I'm sure you've been riding most of your life. Yeah, I've done everything from um, just trail riding to endurance riding to rancher versatility, showing trail, pleasure, raining. Um, it's, it, and so the last horse, the horse in this video, um, I didn't know what I was going to do next. And he's certainly taken me in a direction I never thought I would go. The horses have a way of doing that to us, right? That we, we wind up going in places we would never anticipate or expect. And they're like, no, here, take a right turn. Um, so it, it is kind of fascinating. All right. So, so when did you start uh, really getting more interested in, in, in healing? And, and I use it in a very broad, generalized term. And maybe, maybe for this discussion, you can define for us, when, you know, when someone talks about healing, um, we all seem to have a different opinion of what that is and we can take it on different levels. Yeah, I think my approach has become, and, and this Nanka is his name, it really got me to understand healing on a, um, you know, you can heal a wound, but the scar is still there and, and the scar is going to cause an impediment. But if you get true healing, then that scar is energetically moving and incorporated. I think um, there's a lot, and that goes in another direction, but I've seen different modalities where a scar causes issues down the road somewhere else in the body. And then um, by reintegrating the scar back in, they become, um, it, the other issue goes away. So, so healing, for me is at the mitochondrial level. And, and so my approach now is more for the body. I can't make that animal heal. It has to heal for itself, but I can give it the tools and the healthier mitochondria to be able to heal. 
So let's, let's talk about mitochondria for a minute because there may be some people that are unfamiliar with this, uh, with this term. So just kind of give us like, and maybe that's part of your presentation. Am I jumping the gun? Um, there will be pictures of mitochondria in my presentation, yeah. But that's the powerhouse. That's the, the gas manufacturing. That's where the cells get their energy. So, so, um, so you have a cell and inside a cell you have a nucleus. But inside the sort of the, I think of it as sort of the nucleus is the yolk, and in the white stuff, in what we the cytoplasm, right? Is there's mitochondria, and there can be a lot or a few, and that's what generates. If all of you remember back to basic biology, physiology, um, the Krebs cycle, which makes everybody shudder, and um, <laughs> but the it. it the Krebs cycle is what mitochondria is where that ha stuff happens and then energy is produced. Right. So that's where we, we um, I, it's taking me back. I have to think back a bit in my biology background, but uh, generating ATP, which, so you take yes. glucose, basically you run it through mitochondria. It's like a little power station. It produces ATP, which is the energy source that runs things. Is that right? Yeah, correct. And you know, I, I, I Correct me if I'm wrong, but somewhere back in my distant memory, I remember that mitochondria actually used to be like little separate organisms that we somehow incorporated into our cells. Is that, am I off base? They're not separate organisms, but they look like it. You know, oh. they're like little sacks of, um, yeah. And so in this discussion, when we're talking about healing, we're really talking about healing at a cellular, a structural cellular level, as opposed to healing in a broad term of, uh, you know, sort of, other, yeah. And so that's, I just want people to be clear <laughs> that when we're talking about healing, um, it's, it really is a structural cellular level, but you know, in order to heal, we have to, we do have to heal the physical body. Um, and when you talk about um, scarring, you know, for me, I have a scar since 1984. That's, it's a, it's a Y. And it, each bar is six inches long and it's an inch wide and it goes all the way to my hip socket. Um, and, and this scar has um, in many ways uh, held my life. Um, and then two years ago when I had to have surgery again for a bone spur and they reattached glute medius, um, they cleaned up some of the scar and I got some movement back, but that re-circuitry, or I should say change in circuitry, caused all kinds of ramifications, including chronic plantar fasciitis, heel pain, probably nerve. It was, in the end, I concluded it was probably nerve pain um, coming from my back because, because that scar, and there was a great little video I just posted up on Facebook um, that somebody was standing there in like a, a fascial suit and the woman grabbed it and pulled it and then had the guy try to lift, lift his arm. And so you got to understand how yeah. things like scars um, have such an impact on the overall system. It's like just taking and binding, you know, if I pinch my cheek and bind it like that, I'm going to like, everything's going to alter to that. Um, so, so just so that people are clear, you're talking about on a cellular level and um, just as a curiosity, how much can a scar remodel? Quite a, well, you'll see that on my horse. Oh, great. Um, okay. All right. But, so, um, uh, without further ado, that I'm going to turn this over to you and let you get going because I okay. And so I have to have a disclaimer. There's some slides that are quite graphic. Okay. And so, Wendy, you might want to close your eyes. Okay. Can you give and, us a warning when you're going to flip to a graphic screen? 
Yes, I will try to if I remember, but I will try not to linger on them. Okay, but good. They, um, they, you can't appreciate where my horse came from until you see those. And, um, and that's, I mean, it's because of him I learned about, you know, cellular healing because... Right. Well, and I think with the warning that we're expecting, you know, it's for me, it's always when you're not expecting it and you're flipping through some pictures and then all of a sudden you're like, ah. <laughs> so yeah, you yeah. have you've been prepped because we're right. talking about wound healing. <laughs> I'm going to go to this. And you got it, right? Yeah, you're great. So awesome. there, whoops. whoops. Yeah, so there's my beautiful horse at a T-Touch workshop. Um, an Arab? Yes, he's a, this is Nanka. He's an Arab quarter horse cross. Um, just, he, he doesn't have four feet in this world, but he's an amazing teacher. Um, so the next one is his wounds. Um, but, and, oh, you know, and so these are kind of this. Can we go back to his wounds for a second? <laughs> we're going to come back to him. Okay. All right. We're okay. going to come back to him. Got it. So these are, you know, these are standard, you know, kind of products to use on the bandages. Um, and, you know, they just didn't work for him. This was the initial injury right here. And I sewed it within 30 minutes. I mean, it was no big deal. That was. So how did he get injured? How did this? Um, that's a whole, he got away from me and he ran off, ran through a, a decorative railing. Um, he was, he came with a lot of issues, as all my horses seem to do. And how and old was he when you got him? He was seven when I got him, so he was eight when this happened. I hadn't had him quite a year. And, and so he, um, he ran through a decorative fence, and where was the initial, because it's kind of hard to see where the initial wound yeah, was. Yeah, so there's a laceration here, but that one healed no big deal. But it, there's, it's right here, below his hock, and... Um, it was only four or five inches long and I stitched it right away. Um, and, and then so the next one in is theory, when you stitch a wound like that and everything should be fine and it goes back and you don't have any, any proud flesh and everything's cool. Right. I mean, that's in the eye. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I expected. Okay. Maybe pull apart a little bit, but, um, so, but it didn't. But I, to preface, when we go back to real healing, is he had a disconnect with his hind end because he'd been injured in this leg before I got him. And so, oh. so that kind of comes, follows with my story a little later. Okay. As to my explanation of partly why this couldn't heal. And, and so just out of one, curiosity, when you went to, to buy, buy this horse, I assume you bought this horse, um, oh, no, no, I don't buy horses. He was given <laughs> okay. to me. He was given to you. And for any particular reason? Um, because the owner was afraid of, well, she had, he'd been sent for training at five. And in 90 days, he was doing spins and rollbacks and et cetera, et cetera, which in my opinion is way too soon on a young horse, even a five-year-old. And um, then he was laid off for a year or so and she got this other trainer that was recommended and it was the the model that you rope the hind leg and teach him to give well he'd never done proper groundwork and he panicked 
but he wrapped himself up in a rope and um, injured his right hind leg. So she was afraid to do anything with him. I just lost my soulmate of 20 years and um, was trying to reinvent where I'm going from now with horses. And um, I was sitting there doing my checklist of what I wanted. And someone called me and said, I have this horse. He's looking for someone. Um, my friend wants to um, find him a home. And she read down my checklist. So I was bawling at that point and refused to go look at him. But I knew I, in my heart I could not say no until I'd met him. And the rest is history. Wow. So, so is it logical to say that this horse probably already had a bit of a disconnect to his hindquarters based on the trauma and that? He, yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So in, in this, how he could, so I knew that Linda Tellington Jones could help me with a horse like this. And so lo and behold, in my email, I got something from Linda who I hadn't corresponded with in 10 years. And she was going to be in Santa Fe, which isn't too far away. So he wouldn't go in my horse trailer, but I booked any way to go. And Kirsten said, there's no stall. And I said, you don't understand. He has to be in that class. I don't even know these people. And I, it, I don't know why I said that. But lo and behold, a stall came up. And I plan on going. And two weeks before the class, a trailer showed up that was in my price range. And he was OK to go in. And so anyway, we hauled down there and met Linda and worked with her. And it, it, the, the series of events that synchronicities with him have been incredible. Um, he's introduced me to cranial sacral work, um, to Linda. Linda was calling me on the phone, checking on him. Um, it's just been, and, and the laser, of course, because that's what my story is all about. Well, and I, you know, thank you for sharing that because I, there's always a story. And I think for most people, you, you know, the, we have our own story and we know our own story. And sometimes we forget how important it is for other people to hear that, especially in terms of, you know, all the things that culminate and come together to take us to a place that we would not have gone. Right. Totally. And, and so, he, um, you know, so many people look at it as a negative, like, oh, this happened to my horse, but it, it, we can turn those stories around and make them positives if we look at it as a way to learn something and to explore and be willing to be open. And I think that that is such, such a powerful part of this story in terms of, you know, the horse and how it came to you and then the people that you met and then the education that this horse created for you. And... Um, and that you're a veterinarian, and yet you still went through that process. And I think that's really important for us that aren't veterinarians that just have a horse and we're trying to find a solution and we have a question. It's about staying open and keeping to the search alive, if you will. Never so I was at the T-Touch and I would go early because this horse, you know, he'd been injured by people. He wasn't used to being in a stall. Um, so I'd give him free time. Well, you know, when T-Touch, it raises all your brainwave patterns. So I'm there early in the morning having breakfast while he has exercise in the arena. And, um, and I lose it because I really hadn't gotten over losing my, my soulmate horse. And when I got this horse, 
And um, so I'm just bawling and I drop my juice bottle and this horse goes and picks it up and hands it to me. Well, unbeknownst to me uh, in the privacy, cause I'm not one to cry in public. This animal communicator came in and um, she saw that. And she says, you two have such a bond. Can I help you? And I'm just bawling and crying. And um, I'm like, sure. I don't even believe in animal communicating. I'm a vet, you know. So anyway, I, long story short, we had a session after the day. And um, she told me stuff with my deceased horse that she could not have known. And so I ended up working with her as a veterinary medical intuitive for five years. and. Um, when he was hospitalized at one hospital, um, Linda sent Tracy Vroom, who's a cranial sacralist, and I was introduced to cranial sacral, and then I went through all her programs to learn it myself because I was so blown away by his his response to her. And um, yeah, so he's just introduced me to to modalities and people I would have never met um, had he not been injured, had we not gone down this journey together. Yeah. Tracy's going to be my guest this month. Oh, cool. Yeah. She's got a lot of information. Yeah. But so, so the next one shows you what happened after the first surgery, because this kind of blew up. I took him to the university because, you know, he also had some other injuries to make sure everything was okay. Everything checked out fine. So I said, well, will you just lay him down and clean this wound up? So they did. And it looked much better for four days. And then the, have you moved this is what it applied because we're still, oh, there we go. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this was, this was after, um, after they got done with him and then it, he did something a few weeks later and it was bleeding and hemorrhaging and clots and he was now no longer using the leg. Um, so I took him and then to, to Littleton large animal, they, put, they did another surgery, put him in a cast up to his stifle for a month. And I left him there because I live in the mountains and this was January. And um, if that cast broke, I was just going to have to put him down, which many people said I should do anyway. So, um, these so it, just, dots, I mean, it wasn't like the wound was dirty when you stitched it. It just, it just blew up. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so at that last one, I t talked with the veterinary communicator and, and she saw a black hole. Like there was something toxic in that wound, like a foreign body or something, which made sense. So of course, by this time, I, my ego has gone. I just want my horse to heal. So I tell the surgeon that the you know, the veterinary medical intuitive saw this look for a foreign body. They did not find a foreign body. Um, but that goes later in the story. Um, and, and I did meet Tracy and I felt like she helped him connect with his hind end. So this looks, I think this looks as good as it does because of the work she had done, not so much maybe the cast. And these little dots are um, skin grafts because I was grasping straws at this point. Um, so and this so is what I was left with. So for what each, oh my goodness, for each of these surgeries, they had to, they had to anesthetize him, right? Yeah, they laid him down and debrided it and explored it. Right, and didn't really find anything. And 
this this is the improved version after being in a cast and the theory behind the cast is what because i'm not familiar with casting for a wound yeah they usually do like lower leg wounds um they cast it because they think that the scar tissue and the granulation tissue is for mobility so if they can keep it from moving then um then it has a better chance of healing I kind of now have developed a different philosophy because I think horses have evolved to heal moving. Right. You know, if you have a Mustang that gets cut, they have to heal on the move. And, and so he and was so I kind for of how long again? For a month. And so in that month, he's stuck in his stall. He's not moving at all, basically. And yeah, pretty much. How did he deal with the cast? You know, and I asked him if he ever laid down and they said, oh, I think so. Well, no, he, he doesn't lay down anymore. Um, you know, wow. so there's some trauma. I mean, that's been an issue. But right, yeah, no. explain to a horse, look, we're going to put you in a cast for a month and leave you in a stall where you can't move around and this is going to make you better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, you know, in hindsight, I'm not happy with what I did, but, you know, you know it's, it's, it's as a learning I curve. We, we do the best we can with the information we have and it's and it's not until we have more information or experience that we can do something different and yeah you know, we totally. all have things like i said that we regret in hindsight because we have more information and so you can't you know yeah so this is the wound at five months this is pretty much what it was stable it, it just wasn't going anywhere but it's not you know look at all that scar tissue and and is this so the interesting thing? Is he using this leg? Is he actually standing on it, or walking? He stands on it. Yeah, I mean he's lame, but he he can stand on it at this point. And um, and so it was interesting because Tracy, when she worked with him, she said, you know, it's interesting because your horse showed me lines of light to heal his leg, which didn't mean anything, but it's kind of cool. And then. I had used a laser back in the 80s, and, and my gut kept saying to get a laser. Well, I didn't want to buy one more piece of expensive equipment. I didn't know how to use, blah, blah, blah. So the universe went, okay, here's the first class with this laser for veterinarians. And so I went and took it, and I raised my hand, and I go, hey, I got this horse, and he won't heal. And they described, the, the instructor described almost word for word what the, um, uh, the veterinary medical uh, intuitive had seen as as an inflammatory pocket that holds the disease and um, energetically like a black hole and so I bought the laser and in two weeks or well, in one week it shrunk in half and in two weeks it was no longer really an issue and here's what I got at a month after starting the laser and the, you see we were seven months out from the initial wound at that time and, and, so and look at all that i would never have guessed that all that scar tissue could yeah. go away can you go back to that previous picture like nope other way <laughs> there we go oh. so in from there to the next one is one month because I didn't know it would heal so fast. I didn't take pictures. But that yeah. was that was a month. 
So now, first of all, let's just qualify that the laser that you're using is probably a, a veterinary level laser, not a laser for the average person. Is that right? Yeah, they do. Actually, no. They make, uh, they make one now for horse people. Okay. So, but the one you used on this horse, is that? Yeah. Right? It, it's a veterinary quality level laser because there's so many different lasers. Yeah, yeah, this one, yes. Okay. It wasn't for veterinarians back then, but yeah. Okay, um, and you lasered this wound how often? You know, I'm a vet, and this is my horse, so two or three times that, you know, a Total. week. Two, two to three times a week? Yeah, for, a couple, for two or three weeks. Not, I didn't do it regular. Right, and for how many minutes at a time? So about 15 minutes. So, so I'll get into a little bit how it worked. Um, yeah, but I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around those two pictures in 30 so, days. <laughs> yeah, so, so with my laser, um, I can program the light to blink at different frequencies. And I think of it as sound, just like healing with sound vibration, I'm using light. And, um, and all light has healing properties. So those, those lay lasers are healing, the protonic lights are healing. They just kind of work in different modalities. Yeah, because I so know- he, uh, Sorry. He gave I, me the settings for inflammatory pockets, you know, to heal that black hole. And so that's what I think energetically took away what was holding that to right. heal. And, and so that, because lasers, you know, people use the term laser and I, I, I this is going to date me. But I, I, it's part of my talk. Oh, great. Okay. Sorry. I keep interrupting. So that's, I'm just so curious, you know, because I'm like, I know. I'm jumping ahead of the story. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so there's lots of ways to do energy healing. Um, you can do electrical stimulation. Uh, this is a bioelectric bandage. There's lasers. There's um, beamer, you know, bioelectric mats and laser you know, you guys can all read. Um, and so there's, there's LEDs which aren't coherent. So if you shine it across the room, it'll spread out. Laser will be focused beams and only one, one light, one wave in each diode. And then they measure it by weight, wavelength, power, and frequency. So that's where your difference is. Um, so that's the, you know, the, the different wavelengths um, of light the, have different energies, different, you know, some are more up. The one I used was 635. The magic for that to me is that it is the wavelength that cells function at. So when I change the frequencies that the light blinks, I'm talking to the cells directly. So I can talk to nerve cells, um, inflammatory cells, white blood cells, you know, because they all have a different frequency that they vibrate at. And um, and different kinds, of what's most common in veterinary medicine, because they're good at PR, is class, it's now called a class 3B. They actually heat the tissue. And if you hold it in one spot, you can actually burn them. It's not that they can't heal, but you gotta know what you're doing. Mine is a class three A and it does not heat. So the FDA said, hey, you can't use that 
because it doesn't heat the tissue because class 3Bs are, are FDA allowed because they, the same way a heat lamp would, they heat the tissue. So they have all kinds of FDA clearances because they had to prove it worked even without heating. Um, and, and so this is, this is one of them. Um, so the, the light directly talks to the cells and, and, and the problem with the, the ones that heat is they amp them up with power so they can penetrate deeper. But I always go, what happens to those superficial cells when you do that? Um, if, you can, if you can singe their hair, you could damage cells. So I don't want to get too technical on it. Um, it also doesn't. But wait, you know, go back to that because eye. you know these are, you know, you bring up a, a, so, because I've heard about lasers. I know about lasers. I was going to say when I, when I was a kid, my dad took me to down to Bell Laboratories in Stanford, Connecticut, to see like the first laser. We're talking in the '60s, okay? So you know this uh, this laser term's been around, and there's and different people talk about different things. So like, please. What is the difference between a cold laser and a hot laser? Or okay, let's go back to... Um, because I think it's important to so, understand... So, this is the, so, so a hot laser would be uh, a class four. That's a surgical laser. Okay. And so the, it gets kind of muddy when they talk. I call them low, a low-level laser, and I'm talking about the three A's. But... A cold laser, they often are three Bs, but those actually do heat the tissue. So, um, and so that the the heating of the tissue can cause damage. So, like if I was like the laser you had, you said was at six thirty five, and and like there are cheap lasers, if you will, that people can acquire. And so, you know. It's like anything. If you don't understand what your what the technology is, then you could be getting something that either could be damaging or ineffective. Correct. Well, it's gonna even that point laser is gonna have a healing effect because it's using light. And back with Florence Nightingale, they discovered solariums by taking people outside and putting them in the sun, and they would heal better. So. So it's all using light energy, but if you get it those longer wavelengths, like seven or a lot of them are 800 um, milliwatts or 800 uh, wavelength, yep. then, then you can actually burn. And those are the ones that are damaging to the retinas. Um, you know, that, that's why they're vet lasers because you have to know how to use them and, and um, or you can do some damage. And as long as you keep it moving, um, personally, I've had it used on me because um, somebody wanted to me to experience it. And, yeah. and so they did my knees and it was very uncomfortable to me. And it, it was like prickly and compared to mine, I, you know, and the animals tend to melt into it as well. Um, and so... But, so, you know, like, and what I'm trying to caution here is that you just don't go out and buy any old laser and think, you know. No, and price doesn't necessarily mean that it's better. So I thought, well, I'll get me another laser. I'll get me a class. At that time, it was called class four, a 3B, and it'll work faster because it's more power. And, and it was more than mine. And I was like, and it could only do pain and inflammation. 
and mine, I've treated glaucoma, I've treated Cushing's disease, um, kidney disease. I treat anything. I've done brain swelling. I've been able to uh, save dogs from um, uh, bromethylene poisoning that causes brain edema, and there's really no effective treatment. Um, so and there's so, the, um, so just to do the sort of the you know warning. If you're going to go get a laser, you need to do your research. The, a lot of things need to be under the veterinary. Uh, true, true. Treatment, yeah. as opposed to just, you know, you just don't go out of a laser and just start treating something. You need no, to. No, no, there's a, <laughs> and I've done a lot of, a lot of classes on it. So, you know, there's, there is a way to do it. I just wanted to throw out that these are possible, but find somebody that knows what they're doing. Right. Um, right. You know, you can seek it out, but they, they're, they are amazing. And, and in the veterinary world, the class 3b people have bad mouth the three a's that are too weak they can't work and sometimes less is more right and that's that's a classic tenant less is more and so so just the you know please consult your veterinarian anytime you want to consider using a laser for anything to treat your horse or other animals um, because what i'm what i'm gathering from this is there's a lot of different lasers and you know, there's always somebody willing to sell you something, but it may not be the yes. that you need. And so, you know, some, you need to educate yourself and ask a lot of questions and consult with people. And particularly if you're going to treat an animal, talk to your veterinarian and talk to them about lasers. And that's just my, that's just my little, you know, warning. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Um, and, and, and a lot of, a lot of lasers are contraindicated with cancer cells. So, um, you definitely want to make sure that it works for that. So here's our beautiful mitochondria awesome. that we were talking about. And this is the inside of the mitochondria and all the different organelles and things. So, you don't, there's no test. You won't have to memorize this, but I just think it's a cool picture for to keep in mind of what they do. So um, these are some things that are, are injured. So you have to, just cause you have an injury doesn't, mean that there's just that is injured you know there's there's you've got muscle you've got nerves you've got um stress and then these things can be affected by the stress um and and these are things that happen with mitochondrial dysfunction um, so so there can be a lot of, can we go back to that slide there's can be a lot of different things associated with mitochondrial dysfunction that we would never even consider because we're we're not thinking on a cellular level like i what i'm finding interesting in this is um you know uh recurrent dermatitis could be something associated with a mitochondrial dysfunction that to me is fascinating because i would never have thought about or scar tissue with mitochondria you know i've had that scar for a long time but um, I don't think of you it. You need me to come visit you and we'll work on your scar. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we'll get together. Um, <laughs> but, but the, this is interesting to see because, you know, we're so removed from things at a cellular level or we, we tend to think of it from the outside. So, okay. Onward. Yeah. I keep interrupting you, but I find this so fascinating. I hope you don't mind that I like. No, no, no. I do better when you ask lots of questions. Okay. So. And if anybody else has a question, just throw it in the chat, unless I'm asking all the questions that you had. <laughs> so there is a test in humans that I think is fascinating um, to test for your mitochondrial function. Oh, the, there is. There is. And that's a whole nother thing. But 
that would be interesting to pursue to find out if you could do that with animals and and it kind of tells you you know what you need to work on and and in my presentation i'll talk about other ways to help mitochondrial function and you but it's a measure that you can do these things and then retest and see how it's going oh wow that's fascinating so they increase cellular regeneration they increase the communication between the cells and and so when you when you put light in and it hits a cell it releases photons which hit the next cell the next cell the next cell this is why it's not about penetration because this is getting into the whole matrix of the of the body and and communicating on its own and it spreads that way so that's kind of a misconception for lasers so it's almost more like dominoes you hit one and it's going to go and and radiate yep. out into the other areas without having to directly affect them yeah so when you have a submarine in the ocean and another submarine on the other end of the world can communicate through sonar um, that's what's happening because our bodies are 80% water and that vibration and light vibration gets in the water and it's transmitted all over. So, um, so that's why, you know, less is more. You don't have to, you know, overwhelm the system. And there's just for you geeks, there's yes. your whole mitochondria and how all that works. That so makes me cringe. So, uh, no, this is, I love this. So like when, if we go out in the sunshine, like I, I have to go out in my garden every day when I'm home. And if it's a gray day, I'm very unhappy, but obviously I'm getting, I'm getting the solar radiation, the, you know, not the bad rays, hopefully, but the good rays. And it, it's helping get all of this system going. Like we need sunlight. Yeah, we do. And, and that's, this is part of why that we need that. And so when um, we when we start to layer on all these clothes and protective things to keep us from the the negative rays, are we also then in some way uh, negatively influencing the positive effects? Yes, totally. So, so it's you know it's kind of chicken and egg. If you don't get that vitamin D and you don't stimulate the cells, um, there's some question that the sunscreen is doing more damage than good. I, you know, I actually have had that thought for quite a while. Um, I've wondered yeah. about that. So the cool thing with this laser, when it stimulates energy production, it is the pathway that does not produce more free radicals. So that's an actual, another way that it helps. Um, this is my boy before his second surgery. Um, so those are uh, kind of going back over what we can use the laser for. And, and there we, we did make it. You use it on old scars. Yes, yes, you can to help, the, you know, kind of melt them or dissolve them. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and there it goes to the you know that where there's a scar, there's an energy block, and and anything you could do to bring that energy crossing the scar again is going to improve things. Um, Here's another, just so you show I'm not biased. I loaned it to a laser to a friend and this was her horse. Oh, wait, can we go back to your horse? <laughs> go back to that, oops, other way. So, so how long after you started using the laser were you back on your horse? 
Um, probably because that was in the spring because that was winter that all that happened. So I had to have warm weather. So a couple of months. So in a month, the wound looked beautiful, looked like completely. Yeah, I could, within a month, I could start using him again. Wow. It, it just wasn't an entity anymore. Wow. And this was the, this looks like it was spring because there's still snow on the mountains. Oh, okay. And so someone's, and someone's bringing up a good point, which is what I was trying to say in, in a lot more words, but this is so much simpler, that you sh an untrained person should not be using a laser on their animal using laser. Yeah, totally. I mean, you don't want to use any tool, but you know, you don't want to use a, a harsh bit on a horse that you don't have the hands for. Right. Um, so it, it doesn't mean that lay people can't use it, but you need to know what you're doing when you do it. Right. Right. But this is amazing that from that wound, which was huge. And I, one of the pictures you had, you could actually see the shadow of the size of the wound as well to see yeah. that this horse is now under saddle, being ridden, and looking quite pleased with himself, I must say. <laughs> yeah, we, he's my hiking buddy, too. So we, we sometimes don't take the saddle. We just hike. Oh, cool. And, and yeah, he's, he's... And you don't happen to have any pictures of that wound today, do you? Of what it I, like? I did take one, but um, there's just some white hairs in there from the, uh, the, the skin grafts that kind of somewhat took. But and then, it, when, how long did you actually treat him with a laser? Because you're not lasering it anymore. No, no. Um, I only treated him for probably less than a month. Wow. You know, using it. I, I did it intense, which was like three times a week for the first two weeks until it was pretty much over the hump. And then I just maybe did it once a week for another week or two. Normally I would do 12 treatments. So I would do, um, in the ideal world where you're paying me, we would do um, twice a day for three days, once a day for three days, and twice a week for two weeks. So That's kind of uploading the front treatment. end and then tailing off. Because, because in theory, then at this point, the body's starting to heal itself because it's got the necessary information, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Reminding it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do all kinds of things with that laser I've done. And I know you had a question on caudal equina. And I've done a lot of paralyzed dogs. And, and they walk again, and about 90%. But that's using acupuncture and herbs and all that. But, um, but the, the interesting thing is I had one dachshund that was screaming painful. You couldn't medicate her. You couldn't touch her. She wouldn't eat. And they were ready to put her down. I mean, you definitely couldn't acupuncture. So I said, give me a few, little, a few more days. And I did nothing but laser twice a day. And in three days, she walked. Wow. So um, we've had so, two questions that I think are, are a good place to put them in. Um, someone's asking if a, if a lay person wanted to find a laser that they could start to learn to use, what are some good options or places to t start? Like, where would they start to look into the idea of a laser? For themselves. The one I use is, is Erconia, and it's Erconia.com, E-R-C-H-O-N-I-A. And they do sell a, 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 it's just one head, a laser for, I mean, they cater to horse people. It's very easy to 
Goose, and they have great training. Um, that's the one I'm familiar with. Yeah, I like the great training part. And the other question that we have is when you're using a laser, do you actually put it directly on the wound? No, you don't have, that's with this type of laser, you don't have to, but yeah, I mean, I sh mine was lines of light. I guess I don't have a picture. So that was the funny part is that it, he said it was lines of light to helium. And I had no idea this laser was lines of light versus just a, a round probe. And um, so, but because it's laser and the beams don't spread out, I don't have to be right up against it. And, you know, I've gotten more complicated. So I have three lasers at one time. So I can put one on his brainstem, one on the spinal cord, and one on the area involved. So paralyzed dog, I do the brain, the spine, and the hind legs or the legs that aren't working. And um, Cushing's, um, I, there's a picture of me doing my pony. Um, we did the pituitary, um, the thyroid, and the adrenal glands. Right, but again, that would be so under veterinary supervision. That's, that's complicated. It doesn't have to, you don't have to make it. Like we said, less is more. So right. you don't have to go that far. And, um, but I have to warn you, the, the horse laser is probably about $9,000. Ah. Um, but, <laughs> but look at, I mean, I spent seven or $8,000 not healing my horse. Right. Right. So, so to me, so, it was money. Never right. mind that I broke my leg and, um, you know, I'm a vet and I'm laid, laid up. And um, so they told me I was going to be six to eight weeks in a cast, non weight bearing. Well, for a vet, that's not easy. So, but I knew my laser can cut healing time in half. So every time they told me six to eight weeks, I thought, well, you really mean three weeks because I have a laser. So I lasered it, T touched it. Um, by after surgery, the doctor said it went so well, you don't need a, uh, cash. You can be in a boot. You can start using it right away. Um, the laser being that pre-op made my tissues healthy and my mitochondria to go through the surgery better. So I continued to laser and three weeks post-op I'm whining and crying. Should I be doing PT or something? You know, I'm a vet, so we don't rehab real well and um and they said if you come in today we'll x-ray and we'll tell you and i went in there and they x-rayed it and the surgeon looked at my x-ray and could not find a fracture line at three weeks post-op wow so you know this isn't i mean this is documented right of all right. stuff you know um so so there's really it really truly helps well, and also, what other forms like okay so a laser is super expensive and i know that i think you mentioned some other possibilities certainly sunlight but what sort of is there something kind of in between expensive lasers and the sun you're, you're just right up my alley because we'll keep talking okay great let's go <laughs> so here's another one to show you it wasn't a fluke of nature it wasn't me um this wasn't even in my hands so um there's my little pony uh, he lived to, to be 35 years old, um, but, you know, he got stem cell as well. He had laminitis from 29 on, or to, at 29, and stem cell gave him another five years. But we're lasering him through a laminitic episode. 
Um, so then I got a friend of a friend, or I mean, a kid that I grew up with says, hey, would you like to try a new wound therapy? Well, horses and wounds are awful, so I'm always open. So they sent me this, this product. Um, and so here, uh, sorry, here's another yep. nasty one. Notice there is no, no coronary band there. It spirals all the way around. Normal treatment would have been to cast this leg. Um, but the first vet that saw it did, thought they were going to euthanize the horse. You can see down into the coffin bone there. And, um, and so he didn't even clean the wound. So I finally, uh, my associate got it a couple days later, cleaned it really well. I first started dealing with it on day five, and this is day five um, of the wound. It looks pretty bad. Yeah. So I thought, well, let's try this new product. And um, here's, here's not even three weeks. Look at how, I'm not debrided, I haven't done anything, but bandage that's every. That's just, that's just the tissue. Yeah, this is just, on it. it looks like there's something on it, but it's not. Yeah, no, it's just kind of a white, it, it, part of it's the, the sun reflecting. Okay. Um, and it, there's this flap of uh, a hoof wall. We decided to leave it and we put a cast on there to hold it in place because we right. didn't know what was going to happen. I talked to a, a retired equine vet, said, hey, if they take the coronary band out, is there any way it'll heal? And he said, no, there's no way he'll grow a new hoof. But, you know, I'm open to possibilities. Right. And um, I've ne I never had to debride this. And this was at um, three, just over three weeks when we started to cut the cast away. Look at that. I mean, there's no scar tissue there. Um, is he actually I growing mean, hair? Just, <laughs> huh? Is he actually growing hair there? Yeah, yeah. Look at, I mean, this is the initial, and it's it's just filling in with no cast. Um, and this is where, at two months, we took the cast off. Look at this. This is new hoof growth. And look at that. It's flat. I mean, compare that to my horse, who, who the wound should have healed with no problem. So, and then this was, um, at two and a half months, he was turned back out at the ranch sound. And in his only... Scar is the hoof has a ridge in it. He grew back all the hoof. I don't know how, but um, so so that this is what I used. It's called Procellera, and it these dots are silver and zinc. And when it gets moist with um, human or body fluids or wound gel or even honey, it sets up an electric current and it mimics the. Um, the electric current that's at the epithelium um, edges. And it's, I think of it as a bridge across the wound. And, and this is something that you can buy and use and is very simple. Um, all you have to remember is put the dots against the wound. Um, but it, it's just, they use it in human. It was out in human wor world for five years. Harvard Medical did studies and they were using it as a routine in their clinic there because I ran into someone when I was giving a talk at the horse expo that had actually had it used on her and um, they just wanted to come out in the vet world so this guy goes hey I know a vet so they sent it so he's the first person first veterinarian in the world to have this and then that horse two weeks later cut himself oh what a great candidate 
Um, so, so there's and there are journal articles if you Google me on this product. Well, what I'm wondering is 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 between the silver and the zinc because you've got two elements there. Are you setting up like a a very subtle electrical current between? Yes, the totally. Cells? Mm -hmm. And so you're basically just putting a little, I would think a very low charge, but that's all you need, a very yeah. low charge against the wound to cause the wound to heal itself. Yes. And, and, and the, it's a normal physiological charge that, that the epi, at the wound edges, there is an electrical charge that gets the epithelial cells to grow back. And this just kind of like puts that over across the whole wound. So you're you're basically setting up an uh, a large patch of edge, like the edge of the wound. Yes. The yeah. epithelial yeah. That's just a tiny little edge, and it has to gradually grow and fill in. And here you're saying, look, I'm going to give you that feeling throughout the whole area, as if you had tissue there that could do this for you. You just kind of like bridge it and and make it a lot. Do you actually have to go onto the to the edges of the wound with this material or is it just so you, yeah that's the you have to have a big enough piece that it overlaps the wound edges so that it's taking that from the edges and kind of providing a network if you will or a matrix for the yeah. nervous system and the body to say look we got this this is really cool and um honey you so brought up honey too because honey creates an oxygen layer uh, um next to the skin um yeah yeah, which, so that to me is a great. You can't do it on dogs because it promotes eating bandages. Oh, yeah, but because just uh, a little caveat. Dr. Harmon, Dr. Joyce Harmon's mother, um, who just recently passed, she was an international beekeeper, and um, she used to extol the oh. value of honey. And and uh, I've seen honey do amazing things with wounds. So I would think that combining this with honey would be just like. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And, and then the army was doing studies with this to, um, for bullet wounds and they were packing it into the wounds. Wow. And so I had a dog that was attacked by their other dog and ripped in the axillary space on, in the armpit. And I didn't know if I could even save the leg or not. And I didn't know what was what because it was a bite wound and shredded. So I just took a big piece of this, coated it with wound gel shoved it in there, did some umbilical tape to hold it there and just had them come back in a couple of days. And when they came back, I was able to stitch it. And, um, and that's in another uh, case study article. Wow. But, All right. So we um, have a couple of, couple of questions, comments here. One is, as a vet tech, I appreciate the detail you're going into to explain how lasers work. Fascinating. My vet is used, uh, used when on my greyhounds and a, had a wound that wouldn't heal, but now she understands why it works so well. So, so that's awesome. 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 Yep. And then um, somebody else is just, this is amazing. And here's another comment. My husband almost cut his finger off, wouldn't go to the doctor the first 24 hours. So he insisted propellers. I'm not sure. I think that's a typo. And when he went to the doctor, the doctor said he was lucky his wife was a geek and a friend of Janet because he would have been amputated. Oh, no. <laughs> So this is a case study you know about, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I'm a veterinarian. I, I don't do people. Let's just make that clear. Okay. Um, but uh, that reminded me of, um, uh, it'll come back if it's supposed to, but, um, oh, I got bit by a cat really oh. bad. And, um, and I really did not have time 
to be on antibiotics or, I mean, I, I, part of my whole history was antibiotics created my autoimmune disease, which, you know, sent me down this road. So the last thing I want to do was antibiotics. I'm, I'm like down to veterinarians in my practice. I do not have time to be sick. I do not. I, so I, um, I self-medicated with laser and ozone and um, did not have any, uh, I just, my wound healed fine. Wow. Um, and, and I wasn't, hosp- I mean, because it was a kind of cat wound that w- puts people in the hospital. Well, yeah, cat wounds are really bad. And somebody else has mentioned using placenta over a wound. Um, yeah, not- that seems to work. Kind of the stem cell and procell- or, um, platelet-rich plasma is another way. Um, and this is made by Vomeris. Um, you can buy it. I asked them how to buy it, and I forgot to put it in my slideshow, so I have to apologize. But and we this can is put how that, it works. Um, in the chat. Um, and so just one other. Um, somebody's asking about meta honey. I don't know what meta honey is, but what I'm going to tell you with honey is any raw honey works. Doesn't have to be. Yeah, I think meta honey is like um, the uh, maluka honey. Maluka, yeah, which is. Um, in New Zealand, back in the 90s, I went trekking in New Zealand. Um, I was de- down there teaching, and um, we came across uh, manuka honey, I should say. It's manuka honey, and um, it had um, antibacterial properties because of the manuka tree, which grows. I was just there not long ago. It grows everywhere. But the bottom line is, as long as it's not your processed honey, as long yeah. as it's, it, it's fine, it'll work. It's amazing stuff. It's just messy, you know, and... and um, uh, it doesn't, it, you know, it, like I've used honey on myself. I put it under a Band-Aid and the next thing it's goo- gooing all over. But, feels like, you know, you can just yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah, it, it is amazing. And then <laughs> adding things like this really helps. Yeah, the combination is just really impressive. So here's, here's kind of a, what it looks like, what's happening in the, um, with the bandage on. Well, I, I would think, are they using this for burns for people with... Yes, very much so. Yeah. yeah that, and so the, the cool thing with that horse was he was not on pain meds. He, he got one shot of penicillin when it happened, and that was it. And um, so the Procellera stops pain. It, it's good for pain. It's antibacterial, and it speeds wound healing. Um, it, it's, it was because that horse just... I had him on butte because it just, I'm a vet and that's what I do. And then I realized he wasn't limping. So why was I giving him butte? And so I quit. So he didn't have any meds past a week after that injury. And, you know, we were looking down into the, towards the joint um, and it didn't get infected. So, I mean, that's, it was pretty amazing. You know, when it, it's so fascinating to me how, uh, how well designed we are to heal and um, yeah we just need to facilitate that and and get out of the their way right um and that's you know i take people on safari to africa and you know you'll see we've we've followed lions that have wounds and things and there's a a very good system with the sheldrick elephant orphanage uh, wildlife trust to go out and treat an animal if they need to but they just pack it with this green stuff and the the animals in nature like that the non-domesticated animals at least the it's their wound healing capacity is phenomenal um it, it 
you know, maybe because they don't have all the insults that we have with a modern society and and, um, domesticated life. But basically, we're designed to heal. (laughs) That's what I keep getting. Yeah, totally. We are. We are. And it's so when we're not, it's more of a question of why and how can we facilitate that than go in there and try to change things. Right. So here's, so this one, the only reason I have this is this was Procellar was used. And basically this is my horse's wound and it, it took 43 days to heal it. This is a different horse. This is a different horse, but it's the same type of wound. How, and, what did he do? <laughs> Just I, I don't, this one wasn't my case, so I can't oh, okay. tell you. It's a, but, so in but, 40, and so these are, these are, yeah ways you can't use it so you don't want to use it with an ekg or anything electric you don't want to use um silver sulfidine because there's silver in the i mean it um and you don't want so many wounds medications have petroleum right which you know i graduated a long time ago and they told us it inhibits wound healing so why we're still using it and i give my daughter a bad time because she's a nurse practitioner and they still use it in the human hospitals so well, that's weird i know i know it's so that's neosporin oh right yeah um and so you can also use saline just wet the gauze with saline um and that sets up an electric current as well right and then you're just your basic bandage so you cut to shape wet it um, but it has to stay moist to work. So I was changing those bandages on that horse every four days. And, and it's non-toxic because my pug ate the bandage <laughs> one time when I wasn't looking. Just so you know, she lived. Um, let me just... But, and you can get inventive, you know, because sometimes wounds are not on the leg. But you just have to remember it has to overlap the wound edges. So I think I just jumped to a different modality. That's okay. Where are we going now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ozone. Yeah, this is ozone. So that's my latest greatest that I've started doing. Okay. Ozone therapy. Yeah, for I am totally ignorant about ozone therapy. So you got to start from the beginning for that. Yeah, and most and I was, you know, I, that's why I said I've just gone down this rabbit hole of every time I get to a point where um, they aren't healing, you know, they're at the end of life or something. I find something else to extend it. Um, and ozone is basically oxygen, and our bodies were made to live at a high oxygen tension. And pathogens, parasites, so that's viruses, bacteria, um, and cancer cells do not like high oxygen. So we're tipping the scale. And the extra oxygen, there again, we're back to the mitochondria, stimulate the mitochondria to produce more energy. Um, and, and so, and, and at one, um, one doctor pointed out that pain is caused by a lack of oxygen. So oh, that's so, fascinating. So the cool thing is ozone is is basically oxygen molecule. You run oxygen through a machine that has electrodes in it. You 
it energizes those oxygen molecules and splits them apart. And when they come back together, some of it is O2 and some is O3, which ozone is three oxygen molecules. And it's not very stable, so then it breaks down rather quickly. But if you get it into the body, then when it breaks down, it, all that extra oxygen is picked up by our cells and, um, and, and used. So there's, there's so many ways to use it. Um, and these are some of the things. So you can make, um, you can make saline, you can bubble the ozone through water or saline and then wash the wounds with that. You can put the leg into a bag and run ozone directly into the bag to increase the oxygen. Um, that's what saunas, you can ozone saunas and put the whole, I had a dog I was treating with a systemic fungal infection. He was a big hound. And I, I swore one day I was just going to put him in a garbage bag, you know, and not treat the whole thing. So, um, you know, in my world, I sometimes will do the IV saline um, uh, or, or do the ozonated saline IV. Mm -hmm. um, you can, you know, in, in the human world, and I occasionally do in the horse world, is take blood, run ozone through it, and give it back to them. And that those red blood cells um, pick up that oxygen and then take it back into the body. Um, I've had really good luck, especially with cancer patients. And it's fairly simple. You can get home units even. Um, you, can, uh, you can do rectal. So if you do rectal, the ozone goes um, right through the portal vein into the liver. Um, and it had some success there um, with that. Uh, this is a Procellar one. Somehow these got mixed around. Um, it's okay. 50 days. Maybe. So I just threw for, for really, you know, that I'm not totally out to lunch. You know, here's, a, here's even, there's a lot of research. If you go to PubMed, there's a lot about ozone. It came around in the early 1800s. Tesla made the first ozone, one of the first ozone manufacturing machines. Wow. Um, it's not. It's not voodoo medicine. Um, when antibiotics came around, then uh, ozone kind of fell out of favor. And, and now there's a big resurgence. Um, Italy and Spain, just to digress, are, doing, are using ozone to treat COVID-19. Um, we can't have a webinar without bringing that up yeah. um, with great success. Um, there is a study even incorporating, there's a human hospital in Louisiana that's in the study to to see how ozone works for um, for that in, in in treating it, so that'll be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so there's just so this is injecting ozone into the peritoneum, um, and and these are inflammatory cells. I know it's hard to see, but there's a lot of inflammation, um, septic peritonitis, and then this is what it looked like after they injected intraperitoneal ozone um, wow. and these are i mean that's that's huge and yeah. i have done that i've injected it straight into the peritoneum um on some cases you can use it in the mouth for abscesses or gum disease um, you can drink it ozonated water um, it can affect the gut biome in that it uh it is harmful to the pathogens but are 
normal gut biome likes the higher oxygen so it doesn't kill those off. Um, so it just has amazing aspects. Um, so my, I, I don't have pictures, I don't know where they are, but of um, a horse that cut a heel bulb cut. So I go out there, I clean it up with ozonated saline or ozonated water and um, lasered it and then put Procellera on it. And I'm not kidding, in a week it was healed. So, you know, combining all these is really, really cool. Um, and, and, you know, and if you get it to heal in a week and you get your horse back in performance or, you know, back into work or doing whatever, um, you know, that's just a huge, huge thing. And, and they don't, the ozone is cheap, like a home unit to get set up to do that, do basic stuff is about a thousand dollars. And, and there's just so many things it can do to make the body healthy. And even I, I've treated a horse that pretty much was dying and I had had specialists in their recommendation. Um, something bad was wrong with the liver. And so they were um, trying to send her to Denver to get an ultrasound and biopsy of the liver, which was, you know, beyond the owner's scope of what she wanted to put the horse through. Right. So, you know, nothing in my, my, my new mantra is nothing should die without the benefit of ozone. So I gave it some rectal ozone knowing that if I saw her back within a week, um, she'd either be dead or I'd be euthanizing her. And I, as I say, she didn't die. So a week later she came back and I did IV ozone, which is, um, you have to be really careful with. Um, I just did direct IV. And a week later she was shedding off a hair coat she had not shed off in two years. Um, and she's still alive. It's been a year and a half. And um, she's going through another blip, but she's had a year of really good life and um, somewhat metabolic, um, obviously probably something going on with the liver and um but it, it's it it really turned her around and we're hoping the owner got busy and we didn't maintain her real well so we're chasing but she's doing much better and she's once again shedding so wow and there it getting back to our krebs cycle and stuff the ozone stimulates the production of enzymes. So if you have diabetics, they can't metabolize fat. They only metabolize glucose. And it turns on that fat metabolism. And the, the caveat with ozone, when you start it, you have to go low and slow because if they don't have certain enzymes, they will have more of a reaction. But on the other hand, it stimulates the production of those enzymes. So if you go low, you can start stimulating them and then they can handle bigger. But it can turn that fat metabolism pathway back on in diabetics. And so it's a weight loss program? <laughs> somewhat, it could do that. It hasn't worked for me, but maybe. Okay. All right, just check For it. some people it might, yes. Just one of, you know, one more thing to add to your program to increase your success, let's put it that way. But so that's, um, you know, and then, you know, T-touch where you talk to the cells and you bring the body's awareness, you know, that's another way to help, you know, um, heal on a cellular level. And um, so that's kind of the end of my, you know, th these different things. And if I knew how to 
if I stop screen sharing, I might be able to put in some links to yeah, just go up and, these products. and put in stop stop share. So um, we we've got a couple of uh, let's see some somebody found this very fascinating. They had to leave, but that was fascinating. He, um, Heather, but you touched on this o ozone suppositories, um, laser meta honey. Um, Moxa. Somebody asked about Moxa. Are you familiar with using that in your acupuncture? Yeah, I, I don't use it a lot because I'm, a, you know, it burns the hair. Yeah. But it, you know, it can tonify, so and 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 warm things. So you know, I I get it done on me all the time with acupuncture. There certainly is a big place. I'm not that well versed because I used it a lot to begin with, but you know, people don't really like it when you burn their dog's hair <laughs> yeah and then you know i mean just as an aside to that that there's studies that have come out now that say that burning sage which we all thought was kind of wooey but burning sage cleans like 97 percent of the pathogens from the air like if you sage uh, uh, an environment i mean it's it's you so know in the, the you know, surgeries used to be green you know you know the scrubs were always green they painted the surgeries green Green is an antibacterial color, and oh, wow. so green is is antibacterial, and wow. and so there's a lot of those you know sage those things that that our ancestors knew and intuitively now they prove that they work. Yeah, and then there's uh, recently there's someone here in Virginia that I've I've run into, and he's working with CO two. He's got a, a CO2 boot. I don't know if you've come across that one yet. Um, what's his name? No. I'll, I'll send you the link because uh, it's very yeah. interesting. And Dr. Harmon, Joyce Harmon's, uh, knows him. And we've, he and I were at, the, at a similar location once at a vet clinic, um, kind of crossing paths. Um, and um, we haven't connected yet. But, um, you know, so the, one of the cool things is, is that there's research and there's stuff coming down the pike all the time to um, help use the natural body's responses, I guess, and just provide the environment for healing. Um, I always find it fascinating when we, um, we think about going to war with the body. And yeah, I hate that term. Yeah. And so often when we talk about healing, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have to vanquish this enemy or defeat this. And, and I, I just wonder if that's really the kind of approach or mental thought that we should have about attacking ourselves, which is what autoimmune diseases are doing already, as opposed yeah. to creating, yeah, power of intention, creating the environment of positive uh, frequencies and our thoughts are frequencies we are electromagnetic and so um you know I, it takes me who was the guy way back in cancer research where he had them all drawing positive you know pictures um he was very popular back then i don't know if he's still alive um uh, i can't i can't think of his name but it was early on when i lived in connecticut so back in the 90s yeah um and this whole idea of of but instead of making it the enemy um, and I think that that's such an important concept and that's where Linda's work with the touches comes in is it's, it's in a way it's befriending ourselves um, and looking at positive Bernie Siegel. That's it. Thank you so much. I was so like, who was that guy? So, but, but on one hand, we can't, we can't stop this without a, um, 
a sure foot. Oh yes, right, yeah. And and so I have to um, I have to screen share here again, if I can. Yep. Figure out how to share screen. Well, I, I don't know how to get to my. Um, oh, if you open it up on your desktop. My desktop. How do I? How do I? Um, do you need go to, to my desktop? Yeah, it's not that it's just my mayor on um, Surefoot yes, pad. It is your mayor. Um, if you go to your desktop and open whatever it is you want to look at. There you go. Heather, you sound like you're up on a lot of the latest ideas here. <laughs> yeah, totally. We should meet. Yeah, so I just have to in, um, in New Hampshire in July. So this is my um, my mayor. This is my latest um, the universe thinking I need to take my brain to another step. So she's teaching me about training and working right. with horses from a mental. Um, yeah, right now I'm looking level. at the Lawrence laser therapy picture. So I'm not sure you've shared the right screen. Oh, it's on mine. Yeah, so just go unshare. That this is where Zoom's a little weird. And now go to share. And when you have the little um, thumbnails, you have to. Oh, okay. There she. Thumbnail. There she came. So she's. Oh, there we go. She came. She came from. She was. Uh, came in or in, from a rescue because her mother was there, and I adopted the mother, and this was my wild card, and she came in the world with. A lot of anger, but maybe a lot of her resistance was me. So the last five years have been quite interesting. She's now seven. Um, I can get her in a trailer, but it was kind of challenging at best. And someone slammed the door on her one time thinking they were helping me, which really made it bad. So, so this spring, the weather's crappy in Colorado. So I thought, well, we can work on trailer loading. So I backed the trailer to the corral and taught her to get in, but I could not shut the back and she would panic and um, come bolting backwards. And, and so then I talked to uh, nothing against T-Touch, but somebody, you know, how can I get her to stay in there? And, um, and she came up with this idea with tarps and basically three or four people. And I'm like, I'm by myself. So I gave up on that idea and I'm still puzzling. How do I get her to stand in my trailer? But you know, we every day is a new day, and so this day we decided we're going to do surefoot. So I went out there and we did some surefoot, and you can see she liked it, which several years ago she didn't. And because of your webinars, I pulled it all out again, and um, so we just did a nice little surefoot session. Um, at one point, I think she was on all four. Um, she enjoyed it, and then that afternoon I went out to feed, and I was feeding her in the trailer, um, and then I just kind of pretend I was gonna close the door and try not to panic. I went up there, she just loaded in and I shut the door and she never backed out. She never tested the door. I kind of hung out the whole time um, to make sure she was comfortable. And she did not ever even back until I opened the door. And that, that was a miracle. I mean, I have spent years trying to figure out how to shut the door on the trailer um and and one surefoot session did that so wow 
That's so cool. And she's just, I mean, you can see how calm she is there. She's been that way. I mean, we, we don't do it every day. We just do it when she wants it. When she wants it, she pulls all those pads out of the bag. Well, and then she put her foot in the bag. Bag. What's so interesting is, and this is what, I, you know, I try to help people understand this. You didn't actually work with the pads and the trailer. You just worked with the pads and then later did the trailer. I had no concept that working with the pads would even affect her trailer. That was, those were two different things yes. in my brain. There was no connection. Um, I wasn't even looking. I was just looking for things to do with her. Um, I'm hoping to see where we can go if we can go with a saddle. Um, right. But that's what, what, one of the things that's so fascinating about Surefoot is that you can do this, you know, one session, not necessarily with a goal in mind or a focus in mind, but that has an effect on the whole system so that this other thing that was previously difficult is not difficult anymore. So something I thought of when I was putting this together is what would happen like with Nanka where you had the disconnect and all the wound, if I had put him on Surefoot, would that have helped his healing? And, and that's, and there's no, you know, there's no way we can say that in hindsight. And that's where, you know, once again, we're looking at how do you set up a research study if you really wanted to study that? Because quite frankly, those of us in the field, you know, we just use all the tools we have to help the body heal or whatever we're trying to do. Whereas in science, you have to have a control system so that you're only looking at one factor. And it was the decision, you know, for me, that really was the decision between staying in science or, or being doing what I do now is that, you know, it, I want to make sure I help the horses. And while the science is really important, I'm really grateful for people that are interested and willing to do that. It's, you know, you, it's such a hard thing to say, what if, you know, what if I had. Yeah. Died? Yeah. And that's where, you know, I have these different tools and I don't use them all every time, but I find it very hard to just use one, you know, yeah. because yeah. there again, my, my goal is to make the, the being better. And, right. and I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't need that proof. Um, in my yeah. world. And I did, you know, to get my master's degree, I did do a scientific research and that's a lot of work. Yes. What's your degree in? What's your master's degree in? It's in traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. Oh, cool. And, um, and so I did my, my thesis, which is on the work of Dr. Kerry Ridgway. Oh and yeah. I had the privilege to study with him and, um, and someone happened to say, yeah, that, I just find that doesn't work very well. And that motivated me to, um, to prove that it does. And, and that's on fascial release um, with acupuncture. So that's a whole nother, I mean, yeah. I've done a lot on fascia. And um, so that's, that was fun. And that too was bringing me back around to the horse world. Right. Well, Janet, this has been absolutely fascinating. I hope I haven't pestered you with too many questions, but I was like just wanting to crawl inside and really, um, you know, investigate some of this stuff where I've had questions for years. And this has been terrific because you have really helped to answer a lot of those questions. And I really appreciate, I know that you're traveling right now and I really appreciate you taking the time to join us for this webinar. It's been a real pleasure. Well, I just hope that people have 
ideas of how to help that they don't give up and they're um, empowered to to do you know these things are out there or find other ways but they're 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 there yeah and we have to keep asking questions and looking for answers oh and somebody said it will ozone help insulin res I, I would say i think so um they're using it in people for diabetes um i think that there's no studies um uh, uh judith shoemaker in your country uh, uses a lot of ozone in horses, so she knows better than me. I'm not a neophyte. I've just been using it for a year and a half. Yeah. Great. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Just remember that you can find all of the webinars on my Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. And if you um, want to sign up for the other webinars, they're now on the Surefoot Equine website. If you just go to the calendar and click on the date, it'll take you to the webinar registration. You just click on the calendar, it'll bring a little picture up, click on that picture, and the registration link is right there. So if anybody's asking you, hey, I wanna join these webinars, how do I do it? Please send them to the Surefoot Equine website, surefootequine.com. Um, also join our Fans of Surefoot page. Uh, we have a lot of interaction there, great commentary, and people are really helpful in case you're wondering how to use Surefoot with your horse. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Janet. It's been a pleasure. And um, thank you. Yep. Tomorrow, thank you for doing this, Wendy. This has brought so much information out. Oh, it's. I'm just having a blast. I'm learning so much. And um, I'm trying to remember who my guest is tomorrow. What's to, I've I've lost track of days. Hang on, I'll find out. Uh, well, my guest tomorrow is Susie Zelinsky, and we're going to talk about SurePaws, the Surefoot pads for dogs that we've created, and how to use that in dog grooming. Susie's had tremendous success with that so oh i need that so yeah. i was recommending the surefoot pads to for dog rehab but i didn't know what i was saying so yeah no now we've created a pad specifically for dogs that is um a, the same size as the physio and half physio but thinner and has a, a soft sand in the surface or a little bit of grip so oh, cool talking about that tomorrow and of course you can find that webinar on my YouTube channel. Later. Unfortunately, in my world that my lockdown is over and they're expecting me to go back to work now. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I think that's happening in a lot of places. I've uh, I noticed that the traffic, if nothing else, the traffic here in Virginia yes. has seriously increased. So I think things are, are um, coming back online. So yeah. All right. Take you. Thanks, take care. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks for hanging in there. Yeah.